That's amazing. Um, good afternoon. How's everyone doing today? All right, like 10 of you are doing good. All right. Um, <laughs> we're going to actually finish the series, um, One Another, today, and we're going to do it with um, a, a one another statement that is, uh, I believe, a very powerful statement. And uh, we're going to focus on a verse. We can find that statement in many verses in the Bible, but we're going to use a passage that uh, I love because it takes us through our whole spiritual journey all the way up until God calls us to do certain things. So uh, I'm going to read it for us. It's uh, found in Hebrews chapter 10, and I'm going to read verses 19 to 25. It says this, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let me pray for us and we'll dive into it. Father, um, we just thank you for your word, for your love. And I know, Father, that when we read passages as, as deep, as profound as this one, we desperately need you. We need your spirit, so please guide us through, through your word. It's in the beautiful name of your son, Jesus Christ, that we ask. Amen. All right. Um, to understand the importance of this one another statement, there's a few things that we're going to have to um, think clearly and work through, and we'll get there. Okay? Just be patient with me. I don't know if you noticed, but the statement is at the end of the passage, so we have to go through certain things first. The first thing that you have to know and have very clear in your head is this. If you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, if you're in Christ today, it doesn't matter what's in your past, you know, whether if you were born in a Christian home and all your life you were a good person, you know, or, or you were a complete rebel up until last week. You know, it doesn't matter which way. The one thing that is true about you is that you are a son or daughter of the king of kings. That's your identity. See, and, and the most amazing thing about that is that it's not just a general identity that billions of people will get. You, know, you, you have your very own. See, as we saw a couple of weeks ago, God handcrafted you. He made you personally, and he put in you exactly the things that he wanted to be inside of you. Before you were born, he had specific plans for you, so he made you, and he made you uniquely. You're one of a kind. There's never been another one like you in history. There's not another person in the world right now exactly like you. See, through your journey, God has been giving you a story and that story is compiled of many things. Sometimes are high, sometimes are low, sometimes are happy, some, some things are very painful, you know? Uh, and, and the truth is that we learn to navigate through all these things, and what we do is we create these mechanisms to protect ourselves from the world around us. 
You know, sometimes because of shame, sometimes because of fear, disappointment, sometimes because of the hurts that we get from other people. And all these things sometimes get us stuck in the trenches. We're just there defending. But God in his mercy offers us a hope and a freedom by redeeming us. And you need to understand that he's not just redeeming your story, but you know all those things that happen to you, he's giving you through them a story of redemption. And he's trusting you with certain things, all those gifts and talents, you know, the passions that he put in your heart. When, when you combine your story with all these passions, what, what comes out of there, it's you. You know, the real you, the, the, the wonderful, unique, marvelously created you. And as you go through life in the truest sense of who you are in Christ, you become a very powerful tool in the hands of God. Okay, because as we have studied many times, he has a purpose for you. In your life, the life that you have in him, you know, you are supposed to bring light to this world that is full of darkness, which is very exciting. But here is where we find a problem. See, it reminds me of this guy who was desperately looking for a job. And he walks by the zoo and he sees a sign that says, help wanted, no experience needed. He's like, really? Okay, so he goes into the office and says, so what's the job that doesn't require experience? And they explain to him, they say, well, you know, our gorilla died and we don't have money to replace it. So if you're willing to, we're going to give you a gorilla costume and you have to play the gorilla in the zoo. He's like, really? He's like, yes. So he gets into the cage and first he just sits there in the corner, but then he starts waving at people and people wave back. So he starts running around the cage and everybody starts cheering and there's a swing. So he starts swinging and everybody's like, yeah. And he gets so excited that he swings so high that he falls flat on the next cage, which is the lion's cage. And he's flat on the floor and he just looks at the lion coming very close, you know, slowly. And he's about to start screaming when the lion says, shut up, fool, or we both lose our jobs. And, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> see, the scary truth about our lives, if you think about how we live life, is that many of us for a very good part of our life are living behind a custom. You know, we, we create these false identities and we show other people a person that it's not really us, you know? And, and, and the problem with that is like, you created to try to fit in, you know, to, to enter certain places, to reach certain goals that you think that you need to, to fake yourself through. And the bummer of that is that every time that you enter into a place like that, you have to show a, a false security. It's not really you, but you have to show like you are securing who you're pretending to be. And, and the problem is that we're always scared because we know that at any moment they can find us out, you know? So the, the problem with that is even if you make it in, you know, maybe you connect with this group of friends that you wanted to fit in or you get this position or, or whatever it is that you were trying to get into, you cannot really enjoy it because, you know, all the time you're afraid. All the time you're nervous that people are going to find out that you don't really belong. And, and if you start analyzing at the deeper level, you're going to realize 
that you were not doing those things just to be able to connect with that group of friends or just to get that position, you're going to find out that there is a deeper desire underneath that desire, like a, a need beneath the need that goes further in than just being with the cool kids or, or getting the right job. If you analyze it, you're going to realize that you have a desperate need to feel worthy of belonging, worthy of being accepted by other people. And um, I think that many of you know exactly what I'm talking about because we try to project this image that it's almost you, but it's not really you. See, it's, it's not the masterpiece that God knows you can become, but it's, it's, it's almost you, not, not really you. And it's very sad because then we live our lives all the time afraid of being found out. Now, why do we do that? As I said before, you know, sometimes it's the shame. You know, we think that if, if we eliminate the facade, you know, if we take off the custom, uh, then people's going to have to really deal with me, you know, the sinful, broken, dysfunctional me. And we're convinced we're going to disappoint everyone around us if we are ourselves. So we kind of don't like who we are, so we show a different self. But if you think about it, that's exhausting. You know, trying to pretend all the time that you're someone you're not. And for many of us, the reality is that we have more than one identity. It depends on where we are, who we're with. So just think about how many identities do you carry with you? Which one, which one do you bring on Sunday? Is it you? you know, this is what gives sometimes people a, a sense of insecurity in church because everybody else looks so put together. And you think I'm the only one that it's not. So which one is the one more comfortable for you? Happy family, everything together, good kids. You know, what are we trying to project to the world? And, and, and please don't think that I'm trying to single you out. Trust me, we all fall into these traps. We all have these false identities. But what you need to hear is this. Jesus called you to live a much better life than that. He called you to live a life that is truly secure, truly stable, truly sustainable. You don't have to be afraid all the time. Because the Bible tells us that Jesus opened a beautiful way for us to get close to him. And as we have studied many times, getting close to him transforms you, changes you into the person that he knows that you can become. You know what I'm saying? See, what I'm saying is this. Jesus didn't die for your false identity. He died for you. The, the, the you that he knows you will become. And please don't hear me say something I'm not saying. Jesus loves you now. Today, the way you are, with all your pretensions, He doesn't love a future version of you. He loves you right now. And this is why he wants to bring you into a better life. And this is exactly what the author of Hebrews is telling us here. And it is crucial that you understand exactly what he's saying. Because what we have here is a reminder 
of things that we have exclusive access to because of Jesus. So let's go through the passage again. Verse 19 says, therefore, brothers, since we're going to have two instances with that word since, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, what is he saying there? He's saying, you and I have the right to enter into the most exclusive place in the universe, the presence of God, the holy of holies. And why do we have the right to enter this exclusive you know, place? Because of what Jesus was willing to do. He was willing to shed his blood on the cross, and then you and I have access to his presence. He opened, it says, a way through his flesh. He died on the cross so that you and I could enter there. And the amazing thing there is that our pass to this exclusive place is not based on us. It's not based on your performance. It's not based on your good behavior, your success. It's based on what he did. So you can enter with confidence. You don't have to be concerned. Nobody's going to find you out. He already knows. Okay? So the reason why you have access to this place is because you're with Jesus. Says you're with me. So come, okay? You don't have to keep the facade. Actually, in order for us to get close to him, what we have to do is take the custom and leave it at the door and come ourselves as we are with confidence, the true you. Verse 21, the second sin says, and since we have a great priest over the house of God. See, the author of Hebrews, if you read Hebrews, you're going to see how he constantly tells us about Jesus as our great and sympathetic priest. Why is he a sympathetic priest? Because he knows what it's like. He walked on this earth. He knows exactly the trials, the pain, the betrayal, the rejection that we can feel as human beings. And listen, the Bible tells us that Jesus has been right next to us through the whole journey, which means he knows the real you. He knows you better than you know yourself. And then, since all this is true, he continues in verse 22, he's going to invite us to three things. First one says, let us draw near. You know, let us get close to him. See, because of Jesus already did what he did, and he opened the way, he's inviting you. Come close. Come as close as you can. Fill your spiritual tank with me. Come close. Draw near. But listen at what it says of how are we supposed to draw near. He continues saying, with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Enter with a true heart. The real you. Your real heart. Draw near. Doesn't this sound better than continue to pretend the exhaustion of trying to be someone that we're not? And listen, these mechanisms that we use, we use them for a reason. We use them to protect our hearts. It's something that was useful, you know, when we started doing it. And a lot of people continue to do them because they don't want to be hurt again. They don't want to be rejected again. And the thing is, see, you pretend to be something that you're not, and if people reject that, you're fine. They're not really rejecting you. 
And this is why we keep it up. The problem with that is, see, if, if you're projecting a false image of yourself in your closest relationships, and these are relationships of love, you know in your heart that what they love is that image, not you. And you need to feel loved. Whether you know this or not, you need to feel loved and you need to understand this. You deserve to be loved and actually you are deeply loved. That's the whole point of this thing. He says, draw near because you are loved. I love you. You are free to come as you are. You've been purified. You've been cleansed. Problem for many people, you know, I have noticed that a lot of people don't even want to get close to God. They don't see the need to draw near because they don't realize how dirty they are. They don't realize how dysfunctional, how broken they are. And the question is, do you realize this? Do you know how lost you were? See, it's not until you're aware of the mess that you have in your life and how impossible it is for you to fix it, to get out of the place where you are, unless you realize that there is no way to come that desperate need of belonging, of feeling worthy of belonging, and unless you're aware that there is nothing in this world that will satisfy the thirst of your soul. Your soul is thirsty, but there's nothing here that will satisfy it, not enough money, not enough pleasure, not enough power. When you understand that, then you understand the beauty of what we're reading here, the amazing news. God, in his mercy and love, sent Jesus for you. He died on the cross for you, not the ambiguous us. Me, you. And he says, draw near. These are amazing news. As you are, draw near. And if you have connected with people around you, if you're in a small group, if you're in community here, you know that he died for, for people just like you. Because the people around you are exactly like you. And he died for all of us, sinful, dysfunctional, broken people. That is the grace of God. And it's hard to understand, but it's wonderful. And then when you finally get this thing, something kind of ironic and hard to explain happens because all of a sudden you feel secure. You know, you, you, you have this strength on you that, that pushes you to move forward, but not a security that pushes you to boast on yourself because you know it wasn't you. You didn't do anything. He did everything for us. So you need to move forward with that type of security because you are with Jesus. And the Bible says, if he is with me, who can be against me? So we move forward. And then he says, verse 23, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. What is he talking about? See, he knows us so well. He knows that the life that we're living and the world that we're living in causes that it's very easy for us to lose hope. You know, I don't know if it's happened to you that you come out of your your Bible reading, your meditation in the Word, and it gives you strength, and you plan certain things, and you go out into the world, and all of a sudden the world comes at you, and all of a sudden your hope disappears, your strength disappears. You know, and what, what, what the author here is saying is like, do not allow the pain, you know, the struggles 
to make you lose your hope. Hold fast to the confession of the hope without wavering. Why? Because he's faithful. He's got you. He's promised he's got us. And when he says, the one that promises faithful, he says, he always fulfills his promises. So he's never going to let go of you, ever. You know, this reminds me of when I was a boy and I would walk down the sidewalk with my father and my father would always have my hand. And I have always been very active, so I would be looking around and stuff and trip or about to fall. And I want to put my hands in front of me, but he won't let me go. He would just raise me. Did you experience that? All of a sudden you fly. That, that's God. He's not going to let you go. So move forward. Don't stop. Keep going. Now, that doesn't mean that we're going to forget the pain, the struggles, pretend that they never happened, or imagine in any way that they will stop. That because we draw near, we're not going to have any more problems. There's not going to be any more pain. That's not what it means. But what it means is that it gives us a strong faith to move forward because we know also that the day is coming. Even if the, the, the hurt at the moment is a long-term one or, or one that is not going to change, you and I know that a day is coming when he's going to renew everything. And it might not happen tonight, but we know because he's faithful that is coming. So hold fast. Hold fast to that hope. And then the third exhortation says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. See, the, the, the author here is saying, look around you. You will find opportunities, the windows of opportunity to do what? To stir up one another to love and good works. So he said, come on, you have to cheer each other up. Let's move forward. Let, let, let's keep bringing the love. See, be, become that person that is always cheering other people to go on. See, and, and, and this can be seen in a positive or a negative sense. You know, the negative is like, be like a dripping faucet. Come on, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. You know, like bug the other person until they move. Or it can be seen in a very positive way. Be the motivating voice that never stops motivating others. Move forward. Come on, you have been brought near by the blood of God so you can do this. And it's not about trying to give people like a false sense of bravery or to make them feel confident on themselves. It's more like you're reminding them of that reality of who they are in Christ. That profound truth about who you are. What is your true identity? to motivate you towards love and good deeds, good work. So this is not just motivation to general activity or, or to success in the world. You know, there's a lot of people that all they do is motivate you to be a better salesman and, you know, do better at job. And, and, and that's fine. But what we're talking about here is motivation towards the kingdom of God, to the extension of his kingdom for his glory. So he warns us in verse 25, says, not neglecting to meet together is the habit of some, which is what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, the importance of community. You know, we need to walk together. We need to work together. We need to be watching out for each other. We have to suffer together. It's like, don't stop meeting together, but it says, encouraging one another. 
So that's the beginning of the sermon. This is the longest introduction ever, okay? Encourage one another, okay? This is our, our statement of today. So what we have to do is find ways to motivate each other, to encourage each other. You know, how can I help you to persevere, reminding you of that true identity that you have in Christ and the reason why he gave you that identity so that you will be sustained and strengthened in your faith to live for the purposes that God has for you. See, if you think of the word encouragement, look at what it means. It's, it's the idea that I am going to inject courage into your heart. You need to have courage to move forward. You know, it, it's scary to try to get that false identity to the side. You need courage to do that. So it says we have to inject courage in the heart of the other people. We have to do it for each other in order for us to go and continue. And this is where, why the, the, the writer of Hebrews started where he started. So what's the reason that you have access? Why were you allowed into the presence of God? It wasn't your false identity that got you there. It was the blood of Christ. He redeemed the true you and he turned you into this beautiful new creature. So now you can do the same thing for other people. Encourage one another. This is why, you know, we can work together properly. See, we can work together without having to compete with each other because there's nothing to gain. You understand that when it comes to the kingdom of God, you have nothing else to gain. You already have everything in Christ and you have nothing to lose because you're secure in Christ. So you can cheer other people to move forward for the kingdom of God and truly be happy when they're succeeding because you already have everything you're going to get. So we need to cheer each other. And it's not just the superficial encouragement that we sometimes give each other, which is fine. We all like it. You know, when people see you and says like, oh, hey, well, what a nice shirt or, you know, that haircut suits you, even if it doesn't, you know, all right, whatever, you know, but, but that's not what he's talking about. You know, he's talking about something a lot more specific and something that it's a lot deeper. And if you have experienced this type of encouragement, you know what I'm talking about. Have you ever been encouraged by someone that when they encourage you, it got you completely off guard, completely by surprise, probably even made you feel vulnerable all of a sudden and even brought a little bit of tears into your eyes when all of a sudden you feel the strength that you're truly a child of God and you can move forward and do something for him. When somebody encourages you to the point that you think, really, I mean, he's going to use me? And you feel strong to do it? That's the type of encouragement that he's talking about. That's what God wants for us and what we have a chance to get when we do church together. And he says at the end of verse 25, and all the more as you see the day drawing near, what that means is you need to do this with a sense of urgency. You know, when you see a window of opportunity pass in front of you, take advantage and encourage the other people. Don't waste it. Because I don't know if it's happened to you that you see the opportunity to talk to somebody, to someone about, uh, you know, the kingdom of God or to encourage someone or to say something that even the Holy Spirit says like, Say this, and, and, and you doubt for a few seconds in the window passes, and then you can't say it anymore, and you cannot recreate the window. And of course, 
What we talked about when we talk about the unity with one another applies here as well. Because you have to be willing to be vulnerable. You have to be willing to be known by other people. And I know that's a scary thought. You know, truly open your heart to other people. But if, if, if my heart is going to be encouraged at a deep level, it needs to be known at a deep level. You cannot encourage an area of my heart that you don't know. This is why the verse started talking, first of all, the security that we have in him. What Jesus is telling us is, don't worry. I got you. That helped you for a while. Now, it's time for you to grow up. See, you can be known and loved. And I don't know if you have experienced that. You know, to be truly known by someone and be loved by that person. But it's the most amazing feeling in the world. And, and it's also something ironic because, see, when you truly open your heart to another person and that person loves you back, that is life-changing. Because once you open your heart, you not only open it for the other person, but you're aware of your heart. And then you have no choice but to allow God to work on that area. And it's precisely when other people see the weakness in your heart, but see you working, you know, allowing God to work on it, that they can love you and cheer you for it. Because you're honestly trying to become the person that wants you to become. And unfortunately, see, that's the, the problem that we face when we're always afraid of, of, of bringing down that false identity. Because you know what that false identity is? It's not only something to impress other people. It's a wall that you use to protect your heart. So you learn that from the time that you're very young, when you're a kid and other kids take advantage of you and abuse certain things and, and they're all the time bothering you where it hurts. So you build this wall around you. And then their jokes and attacks crash against that wall and you pretend that nothing happens and you don't feel it. So they get bored and stop doing it. But there you go with your wall. You don't let anyone see what's vulnerable inside of you. And if at any time in your life you open it a little bit and somebody abuses, you build a wall and you build it thicker. So at a certain age, some people are walking around inside a fortress. And the tragedy of that is that, yes, you're stopping attacks from outside, from people that want to hurt you, but you're also stopping and leaving outside the people that want to love you and strengthen you and help you in your vulnerabilities. By you not letting them see what's inside, you're stopping them from helping you. And this is crucial for the church to work, you know, that we learn to trust each other and love each other and are in unity together to the point where we can really lower these things because in order for me to be who I need to be, you need to be who you need to be. You know what I'm saying? For me to be willing to reveal my heart to you, I need to know that you're going to be there to love me and to catch me and to strengthen me. Are we going to be hurt sometimes when we try to do this? For sure. You know, there will be people that will misunderstand us and, and we're going to suffer for it. But what happens if you're so afraid that you never do this is that you close your heart and your heart becomes hardened and it becomes cold. And not only cold, to God's people, but to God himself. So as a church, I'm really praying that we're going to give steps 
of courage, you know, to start getting rid of those false identities and to pursue who we really are. So we would truly encourage each other. And when we see people taking those steps of courage, we have to cheer them and we have to love them and accept them as Jesus is transforming all of us. That's the spiritual journey that we're going through. We're being restored little by little, understanding the truth about where we are, about who we are. As God goes, rebuilding what's inside of you. Sometimes things are good, sometimes are not so good, and they're painful to face, but we need to recognize them. Because when Jesus said that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free, he was talking about you recognizing that he is the truth. But he's also talking about the fact that under the light of his truth, you are revealed and you need to be aware of the truth about you. And that's when you understand that some of those ways that you use to protect yourself, they, they helped you when you needed them. We, you know, we, we had to have them at the time that we built them, but now God is going to use them and redeem them in ways that you're not even going to imagine. He's going to use those very things for you to be able to help then other people and encourage them towards that. And that's a wonderful thing about God's plan for the church. Because when the church works as a church, you know, when I needed the most, the right person at the right time, at the right place, is going to come and encourage me. Tell me words of encouragement. Because God knows that I need them and he puts it in their heart. So when we're working together as a church, we truly encourage each other. And we hear the things that we really need to hear when we need to hear them. You don't know how much we all need this, every one of us. You know, as a pastor, sometimes people ask these silly questions like, have you ever thought of quitting? It's like just every Monday morning. And it's the hardest morning, you know, when you go like, okay, we have to do this all over again. But the truth is, you know, when we need the most encouragement, God has placed the right people. You know, you guys, many of you have been a word of encouragement. You know, he has placed a group around us, pastors Mark and Laura, our, our staff in Cancun, and many of you who write to me and, you know, come and say things to me. You know, when, when we had that meeting in Mexico City to, you know, start a church there, and we thought we were going to speak, but instead of us speaking, every single person in the group started giving a testimony of what the church has done in their life. That's a word of encouragement that God places in your heart. So I would love for this to be true for our church, that this would be a place where we love one another, we're in unity with one another, we're submitted to one another, and we're always encouraging one another to draw near because he already opened the way. And all you have to do is draw near. Let's pray. Close your eyes for a second. I want you to think of a few things. See, his word tells us specifically we need to encourage one another. So I want you to ask God right now, Father, is there a person around me that I need to encourage? Someone that I know that's been needing my encouragement. And maybe I've been afraid. Maybe I feel too vulnerable. 
Please, Father, show me that person right now and give me the right words to encourage that person. Father, we thank you so much for the love that you have shown us by sending your son to save us, broken, sinful us. Give us the courage, Father, through your love and through the love of our brothers and sisters around us to understand that it's time to start getting out of that shell, that we don't need it anymore, and we have to receive the encouragement that we need as much as give the encouragement that our brothers and sisters need. Love us that way, Father. We love you and praise you in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Don't you just appreciate Marco coming? Love you guys. You know, how you can judge a pastor's uh, just walk with God is, is it's not eloquence and it's not, uh, you know, knowing big Bible words and stuff like that, but it's just, it said about Jesus, they would always say, we went and listened to him and our hearts were stirred, our, our, our hearts burned in us. Doesn't that just happen when he speaks? And that's why uh, I love having him here. I'll, I've asked him to come back really often because I feel like God just speaks a word to us through him. One of the things I'm really excited about at Community of Faith is our counseling center, and we have really been working to ramp it up, and we've got two new counselors that are coming on. I just want to encourage you, if you say, you know, I'd like to really be authentic. I'd like to learn how to do that. Maybe there's not even something huge in your life, or maybe it's wreaked havoc in all your relationships. Just call the counseling center and set up an appointment and get to know one of those counselors. Because really what they do, they just, you know, after a while, it's just like God almost speaking through them. It's like, I love that you're protected, but now if you can move aside just a little bit, let me talk to the authentic you, and let's, let's really get to know each other. We can make some huge progress here. So that's happened in my life. It's been life-changing. I want it to happen for you, so I'd love for you to do that. We're going to have some people up here to pray for you, too, and let us do that, Okay. We've seen so many miracles happen. People just like you, but the Bible says if two of you agree together, it's touching anything that I'll do it. So let them do that for you. I love you, community of faith. I want you to have a great rest of the weekend. We'll see you next week. Invite someone to Easter. Seven out of 10 people you invite will come with you. You have a great day.